0: Often we hear debate in education about how to best prepare our students for the future. We can't prepare students if our teachers are still educating for the past, though. Today, we'll talk with an author and a college professor who's making sure that our next generation of teachers is ready for the challenges ahead. Hello, and welcome to episode 27 of the Education for a Better World podcast. I'm Mike Soskell.
1: And I'm Diane Smokorowski. Each week, we will bring you conversations with some of the most dynamic thought leaders in education. This week's episode is sponsored by GoToScience, a tool that allows our youngest learners the opportunity to learn by going on adventures without leaving their classroom.
0: We know that education will be the driving force for a bright, optimistic future. On each show, we'll introduce you to innovative ideas, we'll stretch your thinking, and help you see ways to empower students to effect positive change in the world.
1: We are thrilled that you are coming along with us on this journey. Let's dream big.
0: Dr. Sam Fesich is a professor of education, the author of EduMagic, and a huge fan of pumpkin spice lattes. She believes that with a little magic, teachers can be educators of excellence during their college career. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? So tell us a little bit about edumagic.
2: Yeah, so um, Magic is, is a book that I wrote uh, back in 2018, and it's published by edumatch. It's all about how pre-service teachers can really use their time in college to become educators of excellence. Um, Oftentimes, we think about our college careers, you know, when we're training to be teachers, maybe like some of the stuff that we created, like lesson plans or unit plans, like we're never going to use this, you know, but really thinking about how they can approach coursework and get outside of their uh, college classroom to really leverage some learning opportunities is really important. So there's a whole acronym with it, but some of my favorite parts are um, getting out of the classroom for professional development, so having pre-service teachers present at conferences, help plan ed camps, which has been an amazing experience. We've done our fourth ed camp uh, this past April, all planned by pre-service teachers, and they do all the grunt work. All I do is like say, okay, um, Grove City, we're gonna have it on this day, on this time, and then they do everything else. They get the sponsors. I have to get the food, you know, because I'm the professor part, but they do everything else. They plan the day, they, they do the welcome and the intro. They, they have so much energy, which makes it really cool for an ed camp. Four years ago, I took um, a group of five pre service teachers to an ed camp down in Pittsburgh. And we had no idea what an ed camp was. I just saw that it was free, and I'm like, oh, my students can afford that. I can do gas money and drive them down, no problem. And whenever we first got there, they kind of all clumped together. You know, they went to like one session together. And while we were planning the board, um, they told us all about what an ed camp was. And they were playing the board like, if you want to lead a session, lead a discussion, you know, come on and, and sign up. And my one student, she was really gifted and networking. And she really latched on to Twitter beautifully. And I said, Katie, why, why, why don't you go lead that session? And she was, oh, I don't know. So she goes up and she ended up leading the session with a tech integrator from a local school district, which was so cool to make that connection. I had another student who, whenever we walked in the room, we we're getting our breakfast and stuff. She goes, hey, Dr. Fessett, I think I follow that person on Twitter. And I was like, why don't you go introduce yourself? She, oh, I couldn't do that. Well, by the end of the day, they were sitting right next to each other. They were like besties. So at the end of this whole ed camp, um, where we, we, you know, we, we had discussions and they really felt that they had a voice and stuff to experiences to bring to an ed camp, which is awesome. Um, no longer were they sitting next to each other. They had now found new best friends, you know, best friends for life at ed camp. And we got back in the car and on our hour and a half, you know, drive back up to Grove City, they said, Dr. Fessage, we have to do this at Grove City. And I was like, this was in November. And they're like, let's do it in April. And I was like, oh, sure, we could do this. <laughs> so they they band together and they planned our very first ed camp. And from then on, every ed camp from there from, planned by our pre-service teachers has just been like the bomb.com. We've had escape rooms during one of our ed camps. We've had um, tinker lounges where uh, pre-service teachers lead um, discussions about ed tech and they demo it so people get hands-on experience what's really nice is we have a lot of that ed tech in our curriculum library so students can check it out during student teaching and field work So they can really show what they know um, in their coursework and out in the field with students which is really cool and it's just in this past year we did something new where our council for exceptional children they they did a Poster contest for their their students or for their members, and we had about fifteen ed tech posters that help students ed tech focused on students with disabilities, helping them be more independent in the classroom. So we had one where it's called My Tap Track, where it helps track seizures and student behaviors and loops the parents and the doctors right into it. We've had um, note taking tools which which were excellent and other ed tech stuff, but these these were all like huge posters that. The organization got printed and we hung up all around our atrium and teachers were snapping pictures like Pokemon. They're like, oh, I have to get them all. I have to get them all. They're like 17 or 18. So by the end of that, we actually sent out, you know, with our closing email, a little flip book of all the different posters. And some of them were some of our sponsors. So if you scan their QR code, you got like a subscription or something like that. So it's nice. for the teachers to learn more is nice for our students to show what they can create using Canva or do we Spark whatever they use and to get their name out there because they also put their name their Twitter handle link to their website everything on that post So that was really cool uh, to showcase a whole bunch of stuff in there the learning the students and then the tech tool um, so every year we seem to be adding something different but definitely getting students out of the classroom out of those four walls and taking advantage of the learning experiences that you have in college, like going to ed camps, presenting at workshops, or even doing webinars, things like that, like through KDP or educators writing, do the micro-credentialing, really kind of building your own college experience to make yourself the best educator you can be that first year you can hit the ground running and just go. It's
1: interesting that you brought up micro-credentialing because this is something that's starting to pop up across the nation. And those programs to go Micro credential are not simple, these are pretty in depth, deep dives of learning. And if you're mixing that along with Ed Camps, you are building this much faster trajectory to be an innovative teacher leader. How are you seeing leadership come from these students who have yet to even have their own classrooms?
2: Oh my gosh. So the students that have really gone above and beyond and taken advantage of different learning opportunities through the college or through whatever they would like to do, you can just see the like if they take a leadership role for EdCamp, you can see that confidence build in them. No longer are they just a pre-service teacher and having that mindset of I'm just a pre-service teacher. I think that really needs to change because as soon as you step on campus as an ed major, you are a teacher. No matter if you've had five minutes of experience, five hours, five days, or five years, you are a teacher. So you need to start portraying yourself as one. But having leadership roles, for example, in ed camp, KDP, or whatever other organization, they're in their confidence, their organizational skills, their communication skills have just ha- can increase so much just by having those, those tweaks in their education career where they want to take a lead on a few things that make them really passionate. Now, I'm not saying don't go be the president, the treasurer, and the secretary of all these different organizations. Don't overcommit because you'll burn out. But pick one thing where you're passionate and where you can really dive in and really make a difference in that organization so it raises up the next generation of future teachers that are going to come into your place.
0: I love how you are giving, you said, you know, as soon as, as educators step on campus, they they are teachers, right? Absolutely. You are giving them uh, a little piece of ownership in the teaching profession before they actually step into their own classroom for the first time. And I think that's really important. If we look at, um, at you know, we talked with collect, about collective leadership, collective autonomy with Cameron Patterson in one of our previous shows, right? This is a, This is a great way to introduce new teachers to what their responsibilities are within the teaching profession. Have you had teachers that have graduated from Grove City come back and talk to you about how, they, how prepared they felt when they stepped into their classroom?
2: Teaching a practicum class, we have uh, graduates, first year teachers always come back and share what prepared them well and where they struggled. Um, some of the stories that they tell are really interesting. Most of them have to do with student relationships. For example, as a student teacher, you have seven weeks in a classroom you don't get to know the students as deeply as you would if you were their primary teacher, not their student teacher. And she said, we have one student graduate who shared about just these very sad personal stories that you may not know as a student teacher, but your students go through as, and you know that as you get to know your children or know your students, get to know their family life, know their struggles, their strengths, their areas of interest, and these these relationship pieces, how to deal with trauma, how to deal with um, things that, that are just very scary and sad for, for children to go through. Um, I think we need to do a better job preparing our educators for that.
1: I would agree with that. There has been a very large growth in the area of trauma-informed classrooms. Yes. And this being a, a strong focus of professional learning in schools. What are some tips that you tell or share with these pre-service teachers to at least prepare them somewhat for environments like that?
2: So I don't have a lot of experience in the trauma-informed teaching environment or with coursework. We have one of our um, professors went through, I want to say a weekend training, a week-long training about it, where now she can teach a class for our students to be better informed. By the end of that, they'll have like – you know, a certificate and things like that. It's like an eight-hour intensive class, so I can't really speak to that myself. Um, but we do have our professor, a, a professor in our department, being trained on that and how to help prepare our pre-service teachers to, to be confronted with because it it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, so that is definitely one area where education is changing, right? We're seeing Ooh, yeah. more kids who are who are needy in that area, whether it's uh, their social emotional health, you know, mental health, uh, you know, trauma. How, how have you seen the needs of teacher preparation programs change since you started working with pre-service teachers?
2: I think the needs have changed in the sense of um, whenever I went to school, social media was kind of taboo and you don't use it whenever I, whenever, you, whenever I was an undergrad. But now the idea of being a connected educator is something that administrators want to see. So flipping that on its head of, Oh, social media is bad. We can't post anything to, to flipping it to show your, make your professional stuff public and your private. Yeah. Your, um, Personal stuff private is so important because you want to have like breadcrumbs of awesomeness throughout the internet of all the positive professional things that you're doing in your coursework, what you're learning, things that you're taking away from classes, maybe you had an awesome field experience or you rocked the bulletin board. I don't know what you're doing in classes but hopefully it's great. And you know, sharing that out on social media whether it be Twitter, Instagram, um, a digital portfolio is so important. I think having those connections early and sharing out the great things that you're doing Like reading an Edutopia article or listening to an awesome podcast like this one, and sharing, you know, the things that you're learning from and adding your two cents to it is are so important because it's just small little pieces that you're spreading throughout the internet that someone can find, and hopefully that'll you know kind of work in your favor in a job interview, and also help with your learning. So one thing that's changed has definitely been social media, the really the push for ed tech to be an immersive experience within the classroom, not just as this check off the box, I'm getting observation, or as one more thing that I have to add in, or my supervisor's coming, I should probably use EdTech, you know, to show off my stuff or my skills, but really thinking purposefully about how it can be used to engage students and learning experiences that they may not have otherwise. So we've had student teachers, I've had one student teacher where she, was teaching about biomes, and instead of just doing a, a PowerPoint presentation, she did a, um, a Google expedition where she took students to all sorts of different places and you know had that immersive experience. At our curriculum library, we have a set of um, VR goggles that students can run out, and so she used those, and that was a cool experience for her students, and it was a meaningful learning experience. I also had a student teacher who did a, um, a scavenger hunt Around the classroom, where different students were assigned different planets that they had to report out on, and she had QR codes all around. They had to read a little section, uh, scan the QR code, read a little section, and answer something, and then they can move on to the next one. So that was really neat to see. I also had students just use the i, like, low tech tech. So, and doing a lesson about spelling words instead of having the spelling words written on the board, she had them written in little uh, Twitter posts and said by different Disney characters. So they had to go find their spelling words or put the spelling word in that best fit that sentence or that tweet and having it exciting because it was Disney and using low tech tech, um, it was kind of neat for the students to be able to um, interact with the content and then they were all, all were able to move around the classroom in pairs and work together and have that collaboration. I've had other students like Katie Gibson who she Skyped in a Holocaust survivor after they read the book, Number of the Stars, Lois Lowry, I think, yeah, okay, I'm going to sound more confident. Number of the Stars by Lois Lowry. <laughs> um, where she, she Skyped in a Holocaust survivor and shared that with, I think she was teaching fifth or sixth grade at the time, uh, student teaching, and then uh, it went so well, she actually had her Skype back in for the entire fifth grade to here at the college, which was, so powerful and since then she's had uh she's now teaching in altoona she's had um jane goodall skype in during um i think there was some sort of something going on maybe earth day i don't know but but she had her skype into her class as well and so using those connections skype twitter instagram and using them for for um professional good i think is so important for our students
0: before we continue today's show I'd like to tell you about the sponsor that's made the show possible. GoToScience is a pre-K through second grade tool that allows students to learn all aspects of the curriculum through scientific inquiry. Students learn science and other subjects while going on adventures all around the world virtually with Beth and Curtis. Each month, we give away a free one-year subscription to GoToScience. To win this month, simply contact us on social media, on Twitter, our handle is at edforbetterworld.com, number four, or on Facebook, and tell us why you deserve to win a free one-year subscription to GoToScience. It's that easy. I also want to remind you that you can join Diane and I on a teacher adventure to Kenya in June of 2020 by visiting bookbagtours.com. We're going to be taking about 30 teachers on an incredible experience. It's going to be about two weeks. We're going to go on safari. We're going to have animal experiences. But most importantly, we're going to do some great professional teacher learning by getting into schools and learning from some of the most innovative and incredible teachers in the world. We hope that we'll see a lot of our listeners there on that trip with us. Now let's get back to the show.
1: Actually, everything you described is what we believe is great magic in classrooms anyway. Mike and I talk about the global connections and how that makes an impact for students and that your pre-service teachers are already tapping into this magic. That's a new level of awesome. Most definitely, really so. is
2: Yeah, it's so cool. And they get so excited about it. And that's, that's what's really powerful because then they see their students get excited and then they get excited and they can't wait to share the great stuff that they're doing it's really neat to see to see them have an awesome epic win in the classroom using ed tech when it works great but also when it fails because I think when it fails you learn more about flexibility thinking on your feet and what's my plan b c or d
1: (laughs) well that's the that's why teaching is a stem career right is that that. it it takes risk you have to try something, and you're going to mess up okay, now and then, but it's fine. You reflect, what do I do differently the next day? It's still a problem-solving piece, so you're, you're giving those experiences straight away. And my question is, how often do your students inspire their cooperating teachers to be innovative and take risks and do more of that kind of teaching?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So in my freshman-level ed tech, freshman-sophomore-level ed tech class, they pair up with teachers from around the world in their content area. It's called a virtual co op program. And they pair up through Twitter or Voxer, usually Twitter. And um, during the first few weeks of classes, we have bios of all the teachers that have volunteered to work with our students. And some are teachers that teach solely online, some are teachers that teach um, English in a different country, some are um, all the way from preschool to 12th grade, honors, AP, English, um, teachers, and all the teachers in between, and the students, it's, uh, the students get to go around and they find two or three people they feel would be a good match. They put little sticky notes on there. And they work with that teacher using ed tech throughout the entire semester. So there, the content comes from the educator. So now the students aren't just creating Mm, a Nearpod presentation on a PDE standard XYZ, because I said so, and I like Nearpod, but they're creating it on the content that the third grade teacher that they're working with is covering that week, and then they create the Nearpod. It has to be tied to standards, obviously, and then they send it to that that teacher to use in his or her classroom. I've had virtual co-ops tell me, one, that the work is fantastic, or, you know, hey, let's work on this. Let's tweak this. I've had co-ops that actually have their student the pre-service teacher skype in to the class and teach the lesson um, that they prepared for them using whatever tool that they use and then it's also exposing the co-op to new tech tools that they may or may not be aware of or different ways to use them Um, so just this semester i I was going to have students do something with qr codes and i've been kind of like uh qr codes are kind of old school now sam we got to see what else is out there so that morning, I teach at 10 a.m. I teach that class at 10 a.m. At 8, uh, 9 a.m., I think I was bebopping online, and I saw something about Google Expeditions. Like, I've never made that. I'm going to try that. So within 15 minutes, I'm like, dude, dude, OK, we're going to do this. But so I, I show my students, like, hey, guys, we're going to try Google Expeditions. This is as far as I got in 15 minutes. So you guys figure it out. You guys are going to create a Google Expedition tour for your club out wherever they want to go. And we've had we had students do one on um Sea life, biomes, again, it's very popular, I think in third grade science or fourth grade science, national parks, uh, the um, United States, different landmarks in the United States. Uh, It's just so cool. And that was the most exciting project that they did until we did the digital breakout. And then they all thought that was the coolest thing. But for that one, I had students get into groups where their co-ops were similar uh, taught similar content so then the clubs can compete against each other's classrooms for the digital breakouts. So that was really neat, and it really got them using all the different tech tools that we've been doing in the class um, in different ways. So that was really neat, and having them reach out to their co op teaches them about professionalism. Um, when reaching out to a teacher, because that could be a little intimidating. If just any email, teacher code especially whenever you're doing an observation. So sometimes our students have to get field hours and they have to go out and find somebody to observe. So doing that can be a little intimidating as an 18, 19 year old. But getting out there, speaking to someone as a professional, asking questions, reflecting, and getting that. I think it was so cool that that one student skyped into the classroom and actually taught the lesson to the to the class live. I thought that was so cool. Having that. That type of classroom experience where it's a little bit low risk, like you're, like it's, it's, um, it's okay if if you send it out and maybe maybe um something needs to tweak because you're gonna get feedback on it and that's okay and re- and going back and revising and reflecting I think that's so important and then if things go well that's awesome too. I've had uh, students actually go to the classrooms of their co-ops during breaks if they're able to. Um, I try to also pair them up if they're in the same state so that's been really neat um it's just been it's just been so cool to see them grow from that first few weeks like oh I have to email somebody I don't know oh yeah you do and then at the end oh my gosh this is amazing we talked for like two hours last week and we were talking on the phone I was texting her about this and so it's so much fun to see them to see them build that professional relationship because you never know where that can go. I've had students make connections on Twitter where um, they were given kind of like the inside scoop to job, for job interviews and job openings. Um, and I had one student who had her choice of five different openings just because of her connections on Twitter and how strong she built that throughout her four years. So I don't know that kind of went everywhere, but um, okay, I'm good at that.
0: <laughs> it's really powerful what you're talking about though. I mean, I, I think back to my own pre-service experience and I think I was really well prepared to step into a classroom um 22 years ago you know I think the University of Scranton did a fantastic job but but my experience was nothing like this and and I think about how much better I would be prepared if I would have had access to even more incredible teachers than just the ones that I was working with in my pre-service placement with exposure to so many different points of view uh does that lead to some rich discussions in your classes?
2: I think it's really great that they get those different perspectives we have um, we shouldn't I'm gonna quote one of my students who says we shouldn't have our teach our students so they can parrot back our own beliefs to us we should have them able to think for themselves so having a variety of viewpoints is so important so that's why I like having them reach out to people on Twitter because there's people out there they're gonna disagree with them and there's people out there they're gonna encourage and support and agree and you know, pat on the back, but they have to be able to stand on their own two feet out there when there's lots of different opinions. So why do you feel that your opinion is, is valid or, or right? So being able to support that with, with research and being able to go back and, and really looking at best practices, you know, seeing what's evidence-based, not just because somebody's using this strategy in their classroom. Is it, is it best practice? Is it really, is there research behind that or is it just because it's, it's shiny and new? Um, so being able, I think teaching them where to find the reliable information that is peer reviewed and being able to, to back that up and know where to go.
1: One of the things that we've been doing in our own community is having groups of in-service teachers, professionals coming in to do round table discussions with pre-service. And what's surprising to me from this is how many of those that are in service or in the classroom are just wowed and impressed by those who are learning in their teacher prep programs. Is there been a, a new conversation or at least a shift in dynamics where the in-service teachers are having these new people come to us or you have this opportunity for discussion where they think, wow, these guys are more prepared than I was as a teacher.
2: I think, I think the world of social media is really even leveling kind of the playing field when it comes to education and allowing everyone to have a voice at the table. I think oftentimes our pre-service teachers feel they, they don't have a voice because they don't have that experience. So they're a little shy to share, but once they do, wow, they have great stuff. They have strategies that they're learning with, They have cool tech tools and how to implement them in the classroom. And then the current teachers are able to bring that experience, that pedagogy to help support them. I think it's just a beautiful thing. I think having the connected world at their fingertips and these are digital natives. They want to be connected and I think they thrive in that type of environment where they can just speak into the conversation once they have that confidence built up like I'm not a pre-service teacher. I am an educator, and this is what I have to bring to the table. So having that confidence early, I think, in their career could really be helpful for them to really build on those conversations that are happening on social media uh, related to education.
0: We've talked a lot about social media and about Twitter. And I think yeah. when the average person out there thinks of Twitter, they don't necessarily think of uh, you know the millions of educators that are communicating all the time, right? And I think probably yeah. your pre-service teachers that come into their college program, <laughs> their view of Twitter is very much like, you know, what did the president say today? <laughs> right, that Right. Um, right. Do you, do you notice a difference between your students in the education program, and how they're being taught to use social media, and those that are outside education in the college?
2: Within our, within our department, so they start freshman, sophomore year with their professional Twitter account, and we talk about, you know, what things would be great to post on there, what we kind of want to keep away. We have um, a local administrator come in, and as freshman and sophomore, he's there telling them, listen, I don't want to see this, this, and this, but what I do want to see, and he gives great examples, and then having that kind of voice of authority, I think is really important because, you know, that, that could be someone that's interviewing you one day. Having that person come in and say, I want to find you online. If I don't find anything, that's almost as scary as finding you with this red solo cup in your hand online, you know? So being able to to empower them to post what they're learning, not just for class, but post because it shows growth and it shows um it shows that they really care and have a stake in, in their education. So, we have students sharing out um, stuff over the summer that, that they've been doing. So, I had one student uh, contact me. He's like, What's that one certification that you're talking about for autism? And so, I have, oh, I have a great back to her about that. But, like, she wants to continue to grow outside of the class. Um, having them post about articles that they're reading and just little short reflections or maybe things that they listen to in a podcast. I think it's so important for them to keep that growing and just have that kind of working in the background for them for whenever they are seniors and they are looking for a job when they are searched they have amazing things coming up. And yeah, they do at the beginning think I need I need another account. No, I don't want another account. But by the end they they really I think they really do see the value especially with Twitter chats, because they're like, oh my gosh, so retweeted me, or they replied to me, or I got welcomed so much by all these educators in this Twitter chat. Um, and I always tell them, guys, it's not about the followers, it's about the content that you're posting out there. So the followers will come, as long as you're posting quality stuff on a consistent basis, don't just go out there and think no one's gonna follow you, because that's not gonna happen, especially if you're out there participating in Twitter chats and getting, getting a name for yourself out there in education. So they're also connected uh, through Twitter, but I think <laughs> this younger generation—I sound so old when I say that—really um, likes Instagram and Snapchat. But um, I don't, I don't use Snapchat. I think I should, but I don't know how to yet. Uh, Instagram, I think, is really a unique. For teachers and educators, I, I follow all these um, Australian pre service teachers, UK and Scotland. Um, it's so neat to see what they're learning in their coursework across the world and how they're implementing that into their field or what they, they call their PRAC, which I think is so cute. And so, like, I'm always asking them questions on Instagram like, how are you doing that? What are you learning about? I love that strategy. Tell me more about this. And they probably think I'm some, some crazy leader from the US, but that's okay. Um, but it's just so neat to see how pre service teachers are being impacted by social media around the world, a place for them to share, not only their awesome teaching outfits, which they do have awesome teaching outfits, but great strategies and techniques and just ways that they're engaging students.
1: Okay, Mike, I think you have just enough time for your last question.
0: Yeah, so I'm actually, gonna, I'm actually gonna make a request before I ask this last question. So Sam, in the beginning of this show, you talked about uh, the Grove City Ed Camp that, you're, that your students have been running for the past couple yes. years. Yeah. And every year you have it on the same day as- I Ed know! Neva, so I can't get to yours and you can't <laughs> get to mine. So we've gotta, we've gotta switch that up one of these years. <laughs> yes, we there. do. In the western cool. part of the state. So our last question is the one that we ask of all of our guests. Um, And we're going to ask you to do it in only one or two sentences. If you could change education in some way to make the world a better place, what would you do?
2: You know, we talked a lot about technology in this discussion. And I think one thing that could really make the world a better place is to just slow down and be with the people, be where you are with the people around you. Um, Be present in the moment. Like Jim and Pam, like on their wedding day, they were taking mental snapshots, you know, like, geez. Uh, So take mental snapshots in your classroom and just be present with your students. Don't be thinking too far ahead or too too far behind. Just try to be there and taking mental snapshots.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Please visit our website at edforbetterworld.com. That's ed E D, the number four, betterworld.com, for show notes and to learn more about inviting Mike and I to lead a workshop for your teachers. And don't forget to check the other podcast related goodies.
0: We'd like to thank Sam Fesich for being a guest on today's show. Credit for music on the show goes to Midair Machine. Join us next week as we talk with Dr. Jennifer Williams about her new book, Teach Boldly.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and that it gave you some new ideas and perspectives.
0: Through education and action, we can create a better world.
1: Until we're together again, continue to dream big.
0: And affect positive change.